Hi, this is Jim Brangenberg, the host of the I Work For Him radio show. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast, where we discuss our workplace as our mission field. The live version of our show can be heard each weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern on AM 570 and 910 WTBN, locally in the Tampa Bay area, and worldwide on the web at letstalkfaith.com or iHeartRadio. Our website, iWorkForHim.com, has great resources on how you can learn about how your workplace can be your mission field. And also check out the sponsors that bring you the radio show each and every day. And while you're there on I Work For Him, click on the I Work For Him Nation flag and prayerfully consider joining the I Work For Him Nation. Join thousands around the globe praying for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. That's IWorkForHim.com. I Work, the number four, Him.com. Remember, your workplace is your mission field, and in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. You've tuned into the fastest one hour to In Christian Talk Radio. Super big thanks go out to Ace Andrews who'll be engineering the show today. And hey, just a challenge for you, if you would, please go out to iWorkForHim.com to our website, and to check out what it means to join the I Work For Him Nation. We'd like to invite you to join Martha and I in the battle against the enemy of the souls of our coworkers and employees. We need to realize there's a battle every day when we go to the workplace, and our, and our coworkers and employees don't necessarily know that it's there, but we do. So by joining the I Work For Him Nation, you're making that commitment to start praying for your coworkers and employees by name each and every day, looking for ways to serve them and befriend them befriend them. I had way too much Mountain Dew today. Look for ways to show them love by praying with them on days that they're struggling, but all along being a person of excellence, an employee that is top-notch in your position. Because as Christ followers, we should be setting the standard of performance in our workplace because of our attitude and our actions and our performance. But it does take a paradigm shift in our minds, and Romans 12 too reminds us of this. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Every day, we're looking for new people to share the testimonies of what the Lord is doing in their lives and what the Lord is challenging them with and how their lives have been impacted by Jesus Christ. And I had the privilege a few months ago to get introduced to my new friend, Gil Bird. He's a former, he's an NFL pro bowler. He's a former Tampa Bay Buccaneers assistant coach. He's got so much more than that. A former San Diego Chargers football player. And everybody that knows me knows that football is not exactly my best sport to be all, all out on the statistics. But Gil Bird, welcome to I Work For Him. Jim, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Really do. Yeah, Gil was hassling me before. When he found out I was from Minnesota, and I reminded him, I told him this once before, then he starts wanting to talk about football. <laughs> but you all know, if you're a regular listener to I Work For Him, you know that almost 25 years ago, I gave up on football. Actually, it's only almost 20 years ago because of the pain and suffering of being a, a football fan in Minnesota. It's nice to be loyal to your team, but there's a certain point in time where you just give up. And I recognize that in my life, it wasn't the pathway I needed to take. And if you give up talking about football and you don't know anything about football, then when guys come into your life, you can ask them those tough questions instead of going, hey, what about my football team? You say, hey, when was the last time you prayed with your wife? That's a better question. That is. That's a great question, especially in this industry. Well, it's all about me, all about I. Great question, Jim. So before we get into your incredible career and what the Lord's using your life for, and today we're going to talk about that everybody needs a Paul 
a Barnabas and a Timothy in their life? We're going to get to that. But you know, I always ask this question, Gil. I always ask my guests something about their, their relationship with the Lord. How have you noticed the Lord working in those intimate details of your life recently? There's a number of things. Um, I've been in the NFL in some capacity for about the last 33 years of my life. Got married, married 33 years. I have two sons, 32 and 30. Uh, I've been a player for 11 years in San Diego. I was an executive in Green Bay for two years, spent ultimately four years up there in Green Bay. And all those Green Bay nice people was exciting. Then I got into coaching. I've been coaching for the last 14, 13, 14 years. Uh, started in St. Louis where I met Lovey Smith. And then uh, once we were fired in St. Louis, Lovey had left, went to Chicago. Uh, from there, I met up with him, spent eight years in Chicago, the last two years here in Tampa while he was here. Then after he, uh, after we got fired, you know, two types of coaches, they always say, ones who are about to be fired and ones who are fired. Right. So It's a rough job. Yeah, There's it, no question. You know, it is a rough job. Um, but for me, it's just it's it's a different type of a job. I think all jobs out there are rough in and of themselves, but it's just a different type of rough in the NFL. A lot of egos, a lot of pride, more so than I believe a lot of other industries, just because of the nature of the game. So when we got fired uh, here in Tampa, uh, Lovey went to the University of Illinois. I just I just felt. That not that wasn't the time to jump back into football. Um, just felt it was time to restore a year of restoration for me and the family. So how I've seen God work was your question mm-hmm. in the little details. It's been in allowing me after 30 years. It's been about 30 years since I've been in school. And to start taking an online course to get my master's in theology from Dallas Theological Seminary, that is different, Jim. Mm-hmm. Than football? That is yeah. different studying, getting into your books. Uh, but I'm enjoying it immensely. It, it, it is a blessing. It's been great to spend more time with my wife uh, at home. Your wife's first name? Marilyn. 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 Been great spending more time with her. And then we've been able to do a lot more traveling this off season and going to visit our both of our sons live in Louisiana. You know, one is a player for the Saints, so we get to go down there, see them quite often. And it's just been a great time for us as a family to just start developing more of a relationship. You never I'm I never stop being a parent. No. I never stop having those kids and trying to give them some counsel uh, and them counseling me some. That's the greatest joy. The details of having my sons give me great information on what needs to be done because of what they've been exposed to. The beauty of Christianity. Gil, how did you first become a Christ follower? Wow. Um, being young back in San Francisco, my parents brought us to uh, church quite often. Every Sunday, sit in the pews, young man, young boy. Um I just just do what everybody else does in church, sit back, go to sleep. My mom pinches me now and then to wake me up. I used to hear about this Jesus Christ, about following Christ. What is this all about? The one thing I didn't see in my life growing up, I did not see what you just talked about. What was being stated on Sunday being lived Monday through Saturday. And that really affected me. So we went to church, brought up Baptists. Then at the age of 13, my father put us into black Muslim school 
the Nation of Islam, Elijah Muhammad, Louis Farrakhan, Wallace D. Muhammad took over after Elijah Muhammad died, after us being in there for a year. Needless to say, I was confused about who is God. Uh, do I have to pray five times facing the east? Is his name Allah? Is his name Jehovah? Can I pray at any time? So I just did what most 14-year-olds would do at the time. I just said, I'm going to be morally good. God were great on the curve, and I'd get to heaven by basically comparing my rags, my filthy rags, to your filthy rags. My best friend at the time, once I got out of the Nation of Islam, was a guy named Nelson. Now, Nelson went to church all of the time but didn't live it during the week. I never saw it in my home during the week. It was more hypocrisy. The things we talked about were just very different from what we were saying we were learning during the week. So we'll fast forward. High school, I just say I'm be a morally good guy. College uh, is when my football career started to take, to take wings. And I went from prospect to suspect to servant over the next five years. Prospect in man's eyes, after my sophomore year in college, I was rated very high as far as the defensive back is concerned in the country. My junior year, so I was a prospect um, my sophomore year. My junior year, I became suspect. I blew my knee out my junior year, said he wouldn't come back. These, this just won't work out athletically for him. So I came back my senior year, played with the brace on my knee, broke my hand, had a lot of mm. physical ailments. But I was always the one, pride, I'll, I can, I'll do this, I'll, I'll show you that I can do this. Got drafted uh, out of San Jose State and went to San Diego. When I went to San Diego, well, unbeknownst to me at the time, there was a trade made from the Seattle Seahawks to the San Diego Chargers. Gentleman name is Sherman Smith. Sherman Smith was traded on draft day. He was a running back. Now, me, I come from San Francisco, California, so I have a little bit of soul in me, if you will, Jim. Mm -hmm. Rhythm, if you will. I got neither, so, yeah, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. I definitely don't have the rhythm. But we'll hang out more. Okay, we, we, you can we, help we, me? Yeah, we'll I don't get, know. We'll get that going. We'll get that going. <laughs> It'll be spiritual. Hey, I'll, I'll take right. that. There you go. So Sherman comes down to uh, San Diego, 6'2", 225-pound running back, just a real cool guy. So I'm drawn to him. One of the first things he says to me is, where do you stand in regards to Jesus Christ? I'm like, whoa, time out. Now, my wife is a Christian at the time, and that's her testimony because she shouldn't have married me because I wasn't a Christian. So maybe one day she'll talk about that. But I had never seen an example of a godly man in my life up until this point, Jim. So I start hanging out with Sherman. So I give Sherman the questions that the Muslims used to talk about that none of the Christians that I knew in my past could answer. As in, well, Cain slew Abel. He went off. He married. Well, where did she come from? Where did homegirl come from? God said, let there be light. There was this. Uh, but then he said, let us make man in our own image. Who was he talking to? It was just God. Well, a lot of Christians couldn't answer those two questions. And so I'd ask those questions to most Christians growing up. And they, uh, we don't know. I got into the Bible to disprove the Bible. Mm. And so when I asked Sherman Smith those two questions, he answered them. I was like, wow, this guy's serious. Talking about the Trinity, a triune God. Talking about how genealogy in the Old Testament, most women weren't named. So he just gave me all kinds of answers that I never, nobody ever talked about. But he lived it. So I just said, I'm going to watch him. 
So I watched him in my early years, about the first three or four months in training camp, watched him. This guy's singing praise songs in the locker room. He's not compromising his walk. I said in October of 1983, man, I want what this guy has. Mm. And that's when I prayed and asked Christ to come into my life. And I became a servant from that day on. And I was discipled from day one. That's how Sherman Smith was brought up in the faith. And that's how he brought me up. I spent one year with Sherman and he just took me, man, as, as a babe, showed me his, his, his life as a husband, as a father, um, just as a teammate. And I wanted what he had. And he just, that's why discipleship is so important to me because that's how I was brought up in the faith. Mm. What a great story. And that the Lord orchestrated Sherman to get traded so he could disciple you because you look at the impact that the two that your lives have had on so many others because of that random trade. Well, yeah, it, it was a God incident, not not a oh, co-incident. And I always say Sherman Smith was traded to San Diego to minister to a knucklehead named Gilbert. <laughs> and, and I really needed it. And uh, he came at the right time. Uh, and he was obedient. He was obedient to the call he had in his life of discipleship and there was scripture memorization. It wasn't, it was more than a Bible study because Bible study, you sit down, you just, you go back, you learn the Bible. And we did that, but it was more, we'd hang out together. His family and my family would hang out together. I would see how he would relate to his wife, to his children. That is discipleship, pouring mm-hmm. your life into somebody's he life. He dripped all level. over you. Oh, yeah, he did. So well, that that probably explains the answer to my next question. But, okay, so you're a football star. You you get married to Maryland before you're a Christ follower. And you, you make a lot of money. Well, I'm, I'm assuming, okay, let's see. Even if, even if you ever made minimum money at, at San Diego, you still made a lot of money. You're, you're famous. How did you stay married? Because how many of your peers are still married for 33 years? I mean, that's that's it's an amazing thing to be married. Martha and I just celebrated 30 years, but that's a rarity amongst people who aren't celebrities. You're a celebrity and a football hero. You're surrounded by girls all over the place who are chasing after you because you're a well-built football player. How did you stay married? I mean, that's an it's an amazing thing. Share that story. Well, to me, it was a matter of being around Sherman. I was so into trying to find out what God had for me, and Sherman was constantly challenging me to be the man God had called me to be. And that meant being the husband, first and foremost, that he had called me to be, to show my sons what it means to have a a man treat his wife, what that looks like. And my wife and I, before we got married, even being, uh, me not being a Christian, her being a Christian, um, we had committed that divorce was not an option. And we knew there were going to be hard times, but divorce was never an option. And we said sometimes we'd probably want to kill each other, but that wasn't an option. And also another thing that wasn't an option, Jim, was a boring, stale marriage. Sure. And Sherman taught me that it's up to the man to initiate, be the love initiator in that relationship. And I struggled with that a lot early on because everything as an NFL player, as an athlete was about me. Right. You're being catered to. Everybody's going to give you something. And my wife would always say, you're not listening. Uh, you have all this pride. I'm like, no, I don't. As I'm not listening and have all this pride. <laughs> you know, and we, we're going through all this. So there's still things inherently that I have to deal with even to this day. Sure. Because of pride and ego and being in this industry and football that I have to try not to take home with me. But the thing is staying in your word. 
the thing is always having someone that you can go to, that you can share, that can hold you accountable. You used two words early on in your introduction, attitude and actions. And there's two other A's that I use, not only attitudes, actions, but associates and accountability. Those four A's from 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, those are the things that will help you stay grounded and um, live a life that God has called you to live on a consistent basis. I love that. Attitudes, actions, associates, and accountability. And it really is the, the, what God giving you Sherman in your life, him thrusting Sherman in your life to be able to show you, to, to associate you with the right people in the NFL, as opposed to the wrong people in, in the NFL, because we all know that there's both. And to give you that level of accountability, to teach you what it really meant to be a husband, to be a father, and to to really monitor your attitude and actions and be that guy that hit you with the two by four. So, I mean, that was, I mean, that was an incredible gift that God gave you. All right, we're talking today with Gil Bird. He's a former NFL football player, an NFL pro bowler, a coach with the Green Bay Packers, a coach with the, an assistant coach with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But his heart and his passion alongside football was discipleship. Because of a guy that the Lord brought into his life, he said Sherman Smith. Is that what you said? No. Yes, Sherman Smith. Sherman Smith. I Sherman just want to make sure I had that yeah, right. Sherman Smith. Taught him that everybody needs to have a Paul, a Barnabas, and a Timothy in their life. Gil, why don't you just explain that? Because that's a concept, you know, recently, I've heard a couple of sermons about it recently, and it is something that, it, I don't know, it just seems like I haven't heard enough sermons about that because it's true. Because I think the church in the United States of America would be incredible if everybody had a Paul, everybody had a Barnabas, and everybody had a Timothy in their life. Uh, no question. First of all, let me correct you. Okay, that's, thing, I, that's okay. One Go thing ahead. you said. Um, I wasn't a coach for Green Bay. I was an executive for Green Bay. Okay. Okay. So if any of those Green Bay Packer fans out there say, I don't even remember this guy. Calm down, you cheeseheads. Just calm down. It's okay. Now, Paul, Barnabas, and Timothy, it it really started with Sherman. And I was Sherman's Timothy. Sherman had a Barnabas. His name was Dave Brown. And Dave Brown played in the NFL for the Seattle Seahawks for a number of years. He's in their ring of honor, just a great defensive back, great person. We used to call Dave Brown the make it plain man because when it came to Scripture, he made it plain. But then Sherman also had a Paul, and his Paul, who he would always go and talk, was Ken Hutcherson. Ken played in the NFL for a number of years, and he was a pastor of a church, Antioch Bible Church, in Redmond, Washington. So I saw firsthand that Sherman was going out discipling. He had his Barnabas, the same guy who discipled he and Dave, was their Paul, which was uh, Hutch. So Hutch is basically my was my grandfather in Christ. And that principle, he would always say, is the key to staying rooted and grounded in God's Word. And I found over the years, and being in football, I haven't had the consistent Paul, Barnabas, and Timothy because of time, because of the industry, and what I'm doing. And you, I know when there's always something a little bit off. And we can say, I'm always in my word. I Do you know it's off word. because you know it's off or because your wife goes, something off, Gil? No, because I know it's off. Okay. And we see a lot of individuals who say during the week, well, I'm, I'm getting my quiet time in the word. That's fine. That's fine. But who are you pouring your life into? Mm-hmm. That's the main thing. Who can you sit down and be their teacher 
And the way we learn the most is by teaching. Who can you call up? I can call up Jim and just hang out and be a peer spiritually and just talk about things and, and just have a great time. And then who can I call when I have questions about God's word? Because the greatest, I think, misconception, travesty in Christendom is that we sit alone, study by ourselves and develop our own theologies. We don't have a community where we can bounce things off of. And we need to have that as men. And that's where the Paul comes in. But you pick your Paul by looking at someone's life, praying about it first and allowing God to bring somebody into your life. But you're going to test the spirits, First John 4, 1 says, to see if they're of God. Taste the guy's life. I had an opportunity to sit back and just watch Sherman. And man, what I saw, I wanted. And you're going to want that Paul in your life. But it takes you uh, making that concerted effort, being faithful to being a teacher, being available to being a peer, and being teachable, agreeing to sit under someone else and allow them to teach you. So as an executive, so when you were a football player, so you said 11 years with the Chargers. That's mm-hmm. what you said. Okay. Mm-hmm. And in those 11 years, and Ace pulled up, so Sherman the Tank, that's what. <laughs> but I thought you said yeah. he was only 225 and he was a running back. He was. Well, that, I mean, that just that makes him more like a cheetah than a tank. Yeah, well, yeah, he's, he was yeah, he was more like a cheetah. But I guess his, his running style was more bruising physical. Yeah. <laughs> you I never got know. to experience that? Did you ever nah. get Because you, 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 you never well, played in, against well, him. Well, in training camp, you know, oh, you have sure. offense versus defense, things like that. But he was an offensive-minded player, an offensive guy, and he used to get on me and hold me accountable. And I mean, I saw Sherman stand up to guys in the locker room, uh, don't go out. You know, guys want to go to the strip club. Sure. Uh, guys would ask me, nope, don't want to go. But you know what's interesting? A lot of times it caused division. It caused a separation. I don't want to hang out with Gil. Gil, you don't want to be one of the guys. You're not a team player. But inevitably, if you stand up for Christ, if you stand up and do the things that he calls you to do, eventually those guys came back. When they had problems in their lives, they were just looking to see if what I talked about I was living. And Sherman did that. So in those 11 years, after you started getting mentored by Sherman, you're around, you know, there's 58 some guys on the football team after they do all their cuts. How did you start to, you, you had a Barnabas on the team with you? I mean, so Sherman's one discipling you. Who was your Barnabas on the team? Well, at the time, my Barnabas, uh, I would say there was a couple of guys that we were being discipled together by Sherman at that time. And I would call those guys my Barnabases. Um, one is Miles McPherson, who is now a, a pastor of the Rock Church in in uh, in San Diego, California. Um, and there were a number of other guys who, during that time, we would just we'd hang out, we'd talk, we became friends. And then once, but the funny thing about it is, as I was trying to wait to be more educated, if you will, mm-hmm. in the Word of God to learn more. A funny thing happened where Sherman was injured, and almost to the, a year later, he was gone. And God had thrust us, myself, my wife, into a leadership role spiritually after only one year mm. with Sherman. And that was tough. And then our, our chapel pro, our, our chaplains became my, my Pauls at that time. And that's when I started taking on Timothy's. 
And taking on a Timothy is we had, for instance, we had a couple of players uh, who weren't married, have children by a young lady, children out of wedlock. So they're in town with their fiancés, whatever you want to call them. We want to, you know, stay over your house. Well, okay, but you're going to sleep in separate rooms. Oh, wait a minute, we already have a child. What are you talking about? Well, no, because the influence you're showing to our sons and what we want them to see is different, and we want you to be above reproach. Well, we're living together now, and we don't know because of finance we have to live together. Okay? Finances are football players. Yeah, but you, you, yeah, <laughs> football on. players are still cheap, okay? Still, no, excuse me, financially frugal. Okay. So as a Paul, are you going to say, okay, I'm going I'm to take out the excuses. I'm going to help you take out all the excuses. You can come and live with us. If you want your fiancé and your child here in the same city, if you want to do it God's way, you can come and live with us until you get married. Do you want to do that? And we had a couple guys who did that. A couple, of them cool are, a couple of them are pastors right now. Uh, so those are the things. When you talk about the Paul, Barnabas, and Timothy, you want to make sure that you're actually living the life, not just telling them what to do, but being that vehicle that they can use to be obedient. And being willing to, I mean, what I have found as a Paul in many people's lives, and Martha and I together as a couple in a lot of couples' lives, is that it's not always convenient. There are, so there are, <laughs> there are times oh, no. where those phone calls come in late at night, or there are, uh, I mean, it's, but it's, it's a great joy to, to build into people, and to feed into people, and to feed truth into people. The one thing that I think my wife would agree with this, that I would, had a problem with early on in, in my life, was I was, once I became a Christian, I'm saying, woo, I want to name the name of Jesus everywhere I can. I'm running around taking on any type and every type of speaking engagement I can take on, talking to kids, adults, men, things like that. My first ministry is at home. Right. My Paul's, excuse me, my Timothy's should have been my family. Your two boys. My two boys, for sure. And my wife was spiritually more mature than I was when I first became a Christian. So I had to accelerate my learning so I could take that spiritual leadership role in the family. Uh, so I would just tell guys, just start with your family. It's important. But instead of looking outside the home, especially if you have children, start inside the home and then work your way out. Number one ministry to your wife. Number one mission field, your children. All right. You're listening to I work for him today as we talk with Gil Bird, former NFL football player, NFL pro bowler, former executive with Green Bay Packers and an assistant coach here with Tampa Bay. He's played for the San Diego Chargers for 11 years Then was involved in the executive wing over there at the Green Bay Packers and as an assistant coach for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But before we get back to Gil Bird, and I want to give credit where credit's due. I, the connection with Gil was made through Lori Hill, the CEO and president of the Christian Chamber of Commerce Tampa Bay. If you're a business person here in Tampa Bay and you want to network and connect with other Christ followers who are in business here in Tampa Bay, check it out online, c3tb.org, c3tb.org. Get involved in the Christian Chamber of Commerce, Tampa Bay. Gil, your passion as we sat down, Martha, you and I, at the phenomenally famous Panera right there at the West Shore in Kennedy, <laughs> where if you're going to meet yes. somebody, it's like that, what was that, that place called in Hollywood? Where you're, if you're going to meet somebody, you got to go to this restaurant. 
Well, that's what that Panera Bread's like right here in Tampa Bay. And as we sat down, I just saw your heart and your passion because of what Sherman Smith did in your life in leading you to Christ and discipling you in Christ that you just, I mean, you've become passionate about this. So let's do two things in this next segment. Talk about what does it mean to be a Paul? What does it mean to be a Barnabas? What does it mean to be a Timothy in somebody's life? That everybody needs one of these people in their lives. But also talk about your passion and where you're going with it. Where you think the Lord is leading, but as you're taking this year to just listen to his voice, where you think the Lord's leading you. So what does it mean to ever, that everybody needs to have a Paul in their life? What does that mean? Well, for me, it has been uh, everyone needs to have someone that they see uh, has a spiritual maturity that is evident in the way that they live. It's not just about knowing the Word of God, because there are a lot of people out there who know the Word of God, but they don't actually live it. Uh, To me, it's a difference between someone saying, I'm a Christian, and then I say, Jim, you are a godly man. There's something different when you say Christian versus godly man. And so when you look for a Paul, I would say sit back, taste their life. What do you mean? Taste their life. Go go ahead. Spend time with them. Mm -hmm. Find out whether it's real or not. Find out whether it's real. Ask the tough questions. See if they exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. The love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And understand, for me, being a Paul and showing that humility, someone who does that, don't get caught up in personality because Sherman had a different personality than a lot of other guys who I knew were Christians on the team. Those other guys' personalities didn't resonate with me. Sherman's personality resonated with me, but more so it was his life that I saw. And there was a courage and boldness about what he did. It wasn't him who was being offensive. It was the word of God and the truth that was offending guys and causing them to draw closer to God, draw closer to Christ. So what to look for? Obedience. Obedience to the word. And I love your word image, taste their life. I mean, there's, you know, I always tell managers when I'm doing some coaching, I would say, listen, if you're going to hire a salesperson, if you're going to hire anybody that's going to be an executive or a leader in your business, Interview their significant other, whether they're married or not. Find out about the people they surround themselves with, because you can learn so much about a. But I always say a guy, because I'm talking about a guy here in this mm-hmm. case. You find you learn a lot about a guy when you meet his wife. Oh, no question. That's why I wanted Marilyn to be on here today. I wanted yeah. her to be like tell us the truth tell about us, Gilbert. Yeah. yeah, tell us everything. So, but that's you how make a great I, point. But that's how I know that the Lord is doing amazing things in your life because. Marilyn has, has stayed by your side these 33 years. She has watched you grow in the Lord. And and I find you to be an amazingly godly man. And I know that's because you have an amazing woman by your side. There's no question um, that Marilyn has been a rock, continues to be a rock in my life. The one thing I love about her is that uh, she's going to hold me accountable. She's going to keep my feet to the spiritual fire. A uh, little story I know when we were younger in, in, in the faith and I was just be getting discipled and, and growing up in Maryland, she was the spiritual juggernaut during that time because she knew 
the word of God, even though she got bad counsel before we got married. We'll get into that some other time. But she was still in the world, in the word of God. As I started to take more of a spiritual leadership role and now we became more of Barnabases in our roles. Okay. Um, Marilyn would, she would definitely, she understood the word uh, submitting to your husband. She understood that, but you better believe she was testing the spirits to see if they were God. And she was questioning me and she wouldn't just do something because she thought because you said it, she would do it. No, it wasn't like that. She was saying, what is the word of God saying about this? Why are you doing that? Are you seeking counsel? This is what God is saying to me. And early on in our marriage, that was tough. I mean, it, it was intimidating. It was intimidating, but I knew I had to do that. And it was as a Timothy growing up, and now she became a Barnabas, so to speak, in my life. We just hang out. And that's, to me, when relationships are exciting. We're talking today with Gil Bird. He's a former NFL pro bowler, an NFL football player, but he's got a passion for discipleship. He, is, he and I are talking today about the fact that every one of us Christ followers needs to have a Paul in our life, a Barnabas in our life, and a Timothy in our life. So you just described a Barnabas relationship between you and your mm-hmm. wife. Mm-hmm. That mutual accountability, yep. that encouragement, yep. the the no fear from your friend to use a two-by-four when appropriate. Make sure it's a spiritual two by four. Well, that's, I'm, yeah. that's, I'm yeah. talking about yeah. a spiritual two by four. Yeah. Nobody yeah. on this show thinks I mean a literal two, two by four. By four. Yeah. Although I probably needed one every once in a while. But, yeah. Yeah. We all did. Yeah. Well, a hollow one though. Not a. I don't want to. You know, I don't want to yeah. get brain damage. Yeah. All right. But when you look at being a Barnabas in another guy's life, because yeah. we're, we're not, and understand this, when we talk about having a Paul, a Barnabas, and a Timothy in our lives, for guys, those have to be men. For ladies, those have to be women. Those are, except when you're husband and wife. Exactly. Okay. Everybody exactly. else needs to be it's your man same on sex. Man, yeah. Man on man, woman on woman. It's not that cross-pollinization. That's when you start getting into problems. Trouble. Start getting into problems. Capital so for, T. Yeah. From, from a male perspective, uh, you want to, you really want to look and see. It's always about tasting somebody's life. And even when you get into the Barnabas situation, most of the Barnabases out there are guys who are being discipled who are submitting to the authority of someone else and saying, look, I want to learn. But you know that there is a, there's the same level that you guys have when you speak, when you talk. And it's more not being taught certain things, but sharing certain maybe struggles, victories that you have in your life, not from a teacher-student perspective, but just from more of a friend-peer perspective Um Spending time with them, both of all three of these relationships, you have to spend time. Well, in in a Barnabas relationship, I thought you were done. I apologize, I just interrupted. You. But I'm thinking community. You're really you're living life together. You're learning from each other, but it's not a it. it you know, typically in your life, has the Paul person been typically older than you? The Paul yes. person in your life? Yes, most of it. But don't rule out a younger person because that's the beauty of Christianity. God deals with us in different levels, different ways. So your Paul could actually be chronologically younger than you. Right. 
but they're just more advanced spiritually than you are, more mature spiritually than you are. Well, that's why he talked to Timothy. Well, that's why Paul said to Timothy, don't let people look down on you just because you're young. Because yeah, Timothy exactly. went on to be appalled to other people. <laughs> exactly. So this, you know, I want to make sure, hey, we, nobody called in yet for the book, and I want to make sure we put this book in somebody's hands today. Mentor for Life, Finding Purpose Through Intentional Discipleship. If you want to get a book on how to do this intentionally, call right now, 877-943-9673, 877-943-9673. All right, so we've talked about a Paul. We've talked about a Barnabas. Talk to me about what is a, you saying that everybody needs to have a Timothy in their life. What does that mean? That means somebody who is a sponge. Like you look at your little children and the one thing that you have spiritually, when you're physically a baby, you start out dependent. Everything you're dependent on someone to do something for you, feed you, clothe you, bathe you, um, clean up after you. And to me, you're looking for Timothy it doesn't have to be somebody who knows the word and knows just a little bit less than you know. And you're just, no, somebody just right out the box that is just eager and anxious and excited to learn more about what God's word says and wants to learn from you because they've seen a consistency in your walk. Puts a lot of pressure on you. It, it really does. But that's accountability. Mm hmm. Because now when I know that I'm giving information to someone and I'm talking to them about letting no unwholesome word proceed from my mouth, but only such a word is good for edification according to the need of the moment that it may give grace to those who hear Ephesians 4.29. I better be living that. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you better. All right, we're talking today with Gil Bird, former Tampa Bay Buccaneers assistant coach, executive of Green Bay Packers, former NFL football player and pro bowler. So you know he's good. He's used him as an executive of the Green Bay Packers and as an assistant coach right here in Tampa Bay. But more than that, he's used him as a husband and a father and as a Paul in other people's lives and a Barnabas in other people's lives. Because he was once a Timothy with Sherman Smith. And that's what we're talking about today. Everybody needs a Paul, a Barnabas, and a Timothy in their life. And what's that look like? And if you're just tuning in out, you're going to need to listen to the archive. I invite you to go out to iWorkForHim.com and click on the archives. Or maybe our Facebook post right after the show. We'll have our podcast out there. You can listen to it a little bit abbreviated, but you'll get everything that you need to hear out of it. Gil, as we look at this in the workplace, really, as Christ followers, there's a lot of unintentional discipleship that happens at first just like sherman you were watching sherman to see if is he real you were tasting him going okay is his faith real that happens in a workplace all the time oh no question and it happens in good discipleship and bad discipleship you have to be conscious we all have to be conscious of what image we're giving to our co-workers our bosses and people around us and that those are such powerful words and that is what i work for him is all about helping us recognize that our workplace is our mission field and that in that mission field, you and me, we may be the only Jesus our coworkers and employees may ever meet. I mean, that's, that is the passion behind this show. And therefore everything about us needs to be consistent with what, when we say that, Hey, we're Christ followers, everything about us should be changing. It should look different than the world is, is showing. I'm going to deviate just a little bit because this is, is really on my heart. All of the social injustice that you've seen, uh, I just believe that even 
people in our society don't understand the difference, don't live the difference between racism and prejudice. You know, racism is taught. I don't see a four or five year old kid playing in a, gra- in a playground saying, I can't play with you because of the color of your skin, right. socioeconomic level. Prejudice is a lack of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people, we all have prejudices about something, someone. We all do because of lack of knowledge. The reason of Paul, Barnabas, and Timothy is so important is because it deals with what our society needs to deal with, a change of heart, mm. a heart issue. And until we change the heart of starting with us as believers, it'll never have an impact out there in society. I bet you a lot of those police officers, people involved in those situations uh, in society were believers. But, but why did all this take place? What happened I bet you they haven't had that Paul, Timothy, and Barnabas background in their lives. That is the only way. And we can hold hands. We can kneel down for, on the flag, the national anthem, and all that type of stuff. None of that will change what's going on in our society until our hearts change. And the only way is to have that three-fold, three-pronged approach to discipleship. Well, And, and, it, and it is so true because our country is in a mess. And the only solution to our country's problems is Jesus. Amen. And because that's where heart change comes from. It has nothing to do with any politician. Oh my goodness. It has nothing to do with any program. It has to do with Jesus because he changed. I mean, everything about me has been changing since the day I gave my life to Christ. And I know the same is the case for you. All right, we're running out of time. What's next for you? You got 20 seconds. All I'm going to do is just learn and grow in Christ. It's a year of um, just learning, just learning more dealing with Gilbert right now. So just want to serve. That's why I'm here today. I just want to serve. And what a great message it is today. As we've talked today with Gilbert about the fact that every one of us needs a Paul in our life, a Barnabas in our life, and a Timothy in our life. Because if we're going to pass on Christianity, remember, there's no grandchildren in Christianity. There's children. We're all children of God. How are you investing in other people's lives? Are you being intentional to make sure you've got somebody in your life that's dripping on you and intentionally discipling you? Do you have somebody encouraging you? Are you discipling somebody? That is what's going to change our country. Getting Jesus at the center of all that. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower and I own my own business, but ultimately, I work for him.